Welcome to Squawk 5353, the Private Pilot Podcast, Episode 53. I'm your host, Izzy Simon, a private pilot sharing my tips and tricks to make the skies a safer place. In this week's episode, we'll be discussing tips for cold weather flying. Stay tuned for all this and more and Squawk 5353. begin this week's episode, first and foremost, I'd like to apologize for the audio quality in this week's episode. As I'm traveling home for the holidays, I was unable to bring my entire recording setup home with me. Therefore, I'll have poor audio quality in the next few episodes as we go through the holiday season. Secondly, I'd like to encourage you to consider donating to my Patreon. For those of you who don't know, Patreon is a way for you to financially support the show. This show takes a lot of time each week to research, write, record, and edit. It would mean the world to me if you went over to my Patreon and considered donating to the show. Another way for you to support the show is by subscribing to this podcast in whatever podcast listening app you're using. That way, new episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. Again, thank you for listening to this podcast and your support of this podcast. And now back to today's main topic, tips for your cold weather flying. As we enter the holiday season, the winter flying season is officially here, which means we have a new set of challenges to deal with while flying in sub-freezing temperatures. Flight training doesn't need to stop completely in the winter. In fact, the colder months provide some great opportunities to expand your knowledge on weather and aircraft operations in less than ideal conditions. There are other benefits too, including improved aircraft performance and nearly unlimited visibility on clear days. However, there are a few tips that you should remember when you're going out in cold weather flying. First and foremost, always carry winter gear. This first tip may seem like common sense, but I can't stress enough the importance of carrying cold weather gear when the temperature gets below freezing. Most modern training airplanes provide a comfortable warm cabin up in the air, even as the temperature approaches zero degrees Fahrenheit outside. This can cause a false sense of security and lead you into thinking that you might not need extra clothing, layers, gloves, hats, etc. But you have to always be prepared for an emergency landing, which could leave you in cold conditions for hours or even days. But the most important piece of cold weather gear? A charged cell phone, of course. Another tip to point out is not to rule out frost after you land. Most flight schools and aircraft owners are very conscious about frost forming on the airplane when left outside on clear nights when the temperature is close to or below freezing. If your flight needs to get out early the next morning, the airplane should be hangered overnight or pulled out just before departure. There's another time when frost can sneak up on you though, causing a delay if you're not prepared. Let's say you take off just before sunrise and head to another airport not so far away to visit an airport diner. When you come back to your airplane 30 to 60 minutes later, there's a good chance that you'll have a fresh layer of frost on your wings and tail. Frost is incredibly dangerous because it reduces airflow over the wing. I talk about frost and icing in a previous episode. In the summer, it's very typical to practice on a clean and dry runway. However, in the winter, that's not always the case. You should practice your takeoffs and landings on a contaminated runway. Just because the runway at your airport has residual snow or slick spots does not mean you have to cancel your flight lesson. In fact, ask any Alaskan bush pilot and they'll probably tell you that landing on snow-covered runways is the norm rather than the expectation in winter. After a winter storm passes, you'll want to wait for the airport maintenance crew to clear the majority of the snow from the runway. Then determine the braking action from the published NOTAM or from airport officials, 
which uses numerical condition codes to identify the conditions. A value of 6 means a dry runway, going all the way to a 1 or 0 for slush and ice-covered runways. If you and your instructor determine runways and braking conditions are suitable, continue on with your lesson. You'll quickly learn the importance of speed control on final approach and how to make real-world use of soft field takeoff and landing techniques, which we talked about in last week's episode. Just be sure to taxi at slower than normal speeds and keep an eye on the wings when maneuvering near tall snowbanks. Another thing that you should do before flying is reviewing cold weather procedures for your aircraft. There's probably a good chance you haven't reviewed your aircraft's cold weather normal and emergency procedures since last year unless you had an FAA pilot checkride over the summer. It's very important that you make a habit each fall to pull out your POH for your aircraft and review the cold weather starting limitations, normal procedures, and emergency checklists pertinent to cold weather operations. You should commit them to memory, especially temperature and battery limitations, starter duty cycle limits, and the first few items in each checklist for engine fire during start, especially in cold weather conditions. Found in your POH, and more specifically, is making sure that you recognize aircraft and engine limitations in the cold weather. When the temperature is below freezing, you want to be more cautious about how you operate the aircraft engine. A good procedure is to avoid making sudden power changes as the temperatures drop below 20 degrees Fahrenheit and below. This means staying away from maneuvers like touch-and-goes, simulated engine failures, and saw recoveries when the temperature is that cold. Furthermore, you should call ahead for cold weather airport services. This is a tip to remember during your entire flying career. If you're making a cross-country to another airport in the winter months and need some type of service from the FBO, call ahead first to verify that it will be available. Don't assume that because a particular FBO is at a large airport that they'll have hangar space available, and a preheat or other cold weather service instantly available to you. Another really important tip is making reports about the conditions you experience. In my flying experience, the best weather reports don't come from the National Weather Service, but rather from other pilots currently in the air and reporting the weather conditions they're experiencing. These pilots file pilot reports, or PIREPs, which will provide you with actual temperatures aloft, cloud coverage and tops, and turbulence and icing reports, all packed into just a few lines of data. If you are an instrument pilot in the winter, you should definitely pay close attention to icing reports, or lack thereof, to help determine cruise altitudes and where there may be moisture-free air between cloud layers. Make it a point to contribute to the system and relay your flight conditions as well. You should make it a habit of not only making pyreps when you experience unfavorable conditions, but also when you experience favorable conditions to help other pilots in their planning experiences. Some of the most useful pyreps are the ones describing flight above the cloud layers in smooth air. Oftentimes, flying in the winter requires more patience. When you're taxiing, you have to taxi at a slower speed to make sure that you're not going to slip on any ice or slush on the taxiways. When you're warming up your engine, you should take more time and be more patient with it. The engine will require more time to warm up in the cold. Be patient and allow the engine temperatures to rise to acceptable limits before departing. Your aircraft manual or POH will have the appropriate RPM to set the engine to during this warm-up. It is especially critical to know the nuances between different aircraft that you fly. You may operate an aircraft with a Lycoming or a Continental engine that warms up at an RPM of 1000 to 1200 RPM. However, a Rotex engine may require 1800 to 2000 RPM to warm up. Examine the oil pressure and temperature indications during this process and ensure that you do not exceed the limits. 
Under no circumstances should you depart until the engine has sufficiently warmed up. The Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association, or AOPA, actually has a webpage devoted to cold weather operations, which I'll link in the show notes of this week's episode, with a long list of tips, along with links to many more resources. When you're flying in the winter, you should be prepared for a stall or abrupt loss of lift. A conventional wing stall calls for adding power and lowering the nose. A tailplane stall, however, or stall of the elevator or stabilator, calls for a completely different recovery procedure, most often preceded by the lightening of pitch feel, pitch oscillations, or an uncommanded lowering of the nose, tailplane stalls require that you pull aft on the yoke and reduce power. This is because the horizontal stabilizers and stabilators generate negative lift, which acts in the direction opposite of the wings. High power settings, high airspeeds, and extended flaps all increase a tailplane's angle of attack. Raising the nose lowers the tailplane angle of attack and breaks the stall. In addition to warming up and being patient while warming up your engine, before you start your engine, you may want to preheat your engine. Starting a cold aircraft engine without preheating causes excessive piston wear. If it's below freezing and your plane has been outside in an, or in an unheated hangar, it's best to preheat your engine before you fly. There's a multitude of ways to do this, and many FBOs offer resources or have the tools to allow you to preheat your engine prior to start. However, this is not always the case, and there are other ways to do it as well. There are a few other things that are incredibly important to all different types of flight, but especially important during the winter. Something to consider is carb heat. Some carbureted engines, like the 04700 and the Cessna 180 and 182s, run markedly better if partial carburetor heat is applied during the cruise flight in cold weather. A carburetor temperature gauge is necessary to practice this art, which consists of adding carb heat to maintain a 10 degrees Celsius or 50 degrees Fahrenheit carb heat temperature. When you're landing, make sure to brake easy. Planning should include minimum brake usage when landing and when taxiing through snow since warm brakes melt any snow upon stopping. Then the snow refreezes, locking the plane in position. Make sure to get a complete weather briefing and perhaps an update before your proposed flight. This sounds like a no-brainer, but many pilots find themselves surprised by weather conditions they were not expecting. You should also typically file a flight plan. This is one of the most reliable, easiest, and cheapest means of insurance of any time during the year. Filing a flight plan is simple, and just do it when you check the weather. When it comes to fuel, bring lots of it. More fuel equals more options. Be it climbing above the clouds or sitting around a storm, you'll be glad to have it. And finally, make sure you bring a cell phone. Especially in the winter, making sure that you can communicate with someone if you do have an emergency landing is incredibly important. With a cell phone, you're able to communicate your location so that you're not stuck in the snow and ice for hours or even possibly days. A lot of tips that I mentioned in this week's episode may seem like common sense. However, when you're flying in the winter, you should make sure to follow these tips and use common sense when planning any of your winter flights, therefore ensuring a safe flight. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Squawk 5353. If you enjoyed this week's episode, make sure to check out last week's episode where I talk about short and soft field landing procedures as well as a year in review of this podcast. As I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, please consider donating to my Patreon. A link to my Patreon can be found in the show notes. Also in the show notes is a link to all the resources used in today's episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to share it with a friend and subscribe to this podcast so that new episodes are automatically downloaded to your device. 
Again, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Squawk 5353. I'm your host, Izzy Simon, and let's make the skies a safer place. Mm-hmm.